0: Welcome to Black Boys and Men, Changing the Narrative, a podcast series sponsored by the McSilver Institute for Poverty Policy and Research at the NYU Silver School of Social Work and the Community Technical Assistance Center of New York. I'm your host, Jason Jones. This series brings together thought leaders, community members, and individuals with lived experience to discuss and dispel the myths and stereotypes surrounding black boys and men, while providing facts and best practices for those working with these often marginalized populations. How we conceptualize masculinity is widely debated, and in many ways, those definitions have been used as categories of inclusion and exclusion for years. Our guest, Teek Milan, is an advocate, writer, model, dynamic speaker, and most of all, he is using his platform and experience as a trans black man to explore and challenge the relationship between masculinity, race, and the gender binary. Teek, thanks for joining us. Let's start by hearing more about you and your work. Um, So
1: about me and my work, I started out doing a lot of youth services work, like doing direct services here in New York City with LGBT youth, uh, particularly marginalized and homeless youth. That's what really got me started working in the LGBT community. Prior to that, I was a freelance writer. I was writing for Vibe magazine, The Source, AllHipHop.com, a bunch of HipHop.com. I was going to a bunch of parties and meeting tons of famous people, and it was great, but I was in a place with my transition where I was becoming more and more masculine. This is prior to my transition. So, you know, it got to the point where I would be in these spaces, and people really didn't know how to react to me. You know, there was like he or she or they, or I think I heard of it a couple of times, and I was like, you know what? I don't think I could do this anymore. You know, so what I did was I deliberately transitioned into doing LGBT advocacy work because, I, you know, I love working with young people. And, you know, I, I've tutored and taught before and I've always been a mentor to young people. So I started working with young people and then... As my career started to build, you know, those two things found a meeting place where my media work and my advocacy work started to, to blend together. And then plus like the timing, you know, um, this is happening around the time when we're really starting to understand like trans people and understand the spectrum of gender and this is something that's coming to the public consciousness and this discourse. So I kind of just landed into this place, you know, I mean, there's been a lot of hard work and effort, but it's definitely been like, you know, the coming together of many different elements to bring me to this work now. So so you know, right now I still work. Uh, I still do advocacy work. I still write for a bunch of different places. I write for BuzzFeed, New York Times, The Guardian. You name them. NBC, BET. I've written for all of them. And then I spend a lot of my time speaking at different schools around the country. So, like, last week, um, I just spoke at Stanford talking about, like, creating, like, organic masculinity. Talking about, you know, centering love as an element of of radical uh, social and interpersonal change. I did that with my wife. And also talking about, like, you know, trans people and dealing with, like, the medical industrial complex and healthcare. You know, I do some modeling work as well. Like, I do that. And I do that because it's fun, you know, and all those things. But also I understand it's important to be a model of possibility for other like young trans folks, particularly young black trans masculine people. Yeah, I do that. and And I'm working on a book. You know, working on a book and creating some original, like, online content, doing some production work. So I'm busy, man. I'm busy, busy, busy doing a whole bunch of different things, you know?
0: That's amazing. And I think what's so compelling about your story is that not only did you go through your transition, but you're also helping others to not only bring awareness to these various issues, but also helping people on a personal level. I'd love to hear a little bit more about maybe some of the challenges that you face, anything that you're willing to share Mm -hmm. in terms of not only your personal life, but professionally what you've done.
1: You know, I think honestly, the hardest challenges that I had professionally trying to get into a career was prior to me transitioning into this person that you see here, you know, this person who is not readily identifiable as transgender, someone who walks in the world, people assist, uh, assume that I'm a cisgender person. And I guess for, the, for you know, for folks, cisgender is, you know, a term that is used to describe a person whose gender assigned at birth is the same as the gender that they identify as. So basically, most folks are cisgender. All non-trans people are cisgender um, anyway so I walk through the world people assume that I, I'm cis so my transness often doesn't get read so it doesn't become a factor in how people treat me, you know, my race becomes a factor how people treat me or, or how they, re, you know, react to my masculinity. But there had been times where I was just in the world as a masculine person, as a masculine woman, where I was denied jobs. There was a time when I had had a couple phone interviews with folks about coming in to be an English tutor in high school, and I really needed this job at this point in my life. And I went into this job, and I didn't get it. And I didn't get it because as soon as they saw me, they didn't feel comfortable with me being around, you know, their, their young people people. You know, so you know, I always often tell that story because I think it's important to understand within the transgender experience that a lot of the folks who are experiencing so much discrimination and hate and violence towards themselves because of who they are are people who are readily identified as trans. You know, so I think it's important to make space for for those folks and for gender nonconforming folks. I think, you know, also part of the challenges that I've had now as my trans self and as like a binary trans person, you know, there have been times where I felt like I've had to go above and beyond to prove like my queerness in queer spaces because my blackness and and my binary like black masculinity is not queer enough for certain spaces. You know, um, which, again, this means we have to have like clearer and more open conversations about what gender looks like and who is the gatekeeper of queerness and masculinity and who isn't. So for me personally, those are those are some issues I've had around like careers. Personally, being trans is not easy. You know, coming out to family wasn't easy. Even though I have a very loving and supportive family, you know there was a place where they had to grieve the person that I was. They had to grieve, you know, the girl and the woman that they knew, and start to understand the man that's in front of them and what that what that means for how our relationships change and what to do with the memories that we had. Like you know, me and my father having to figure out what to do with the the memories we had as a father and daughter who were very close and how does that influence our relationship as father and son now what that looks like you know those are real complicated spaces to to occupy you know dating can be a challenge as a trans person you know uh, i'm married now i love my wife very much you know she's queer it's great you know but you know there are times when you know i've i remember dating one woman who you know i love very much and, you know, one day she's just like, I'm a lesbian, I can't do this, <laughs> you know, which was harsh and was hard. But, you know, we have to give people space to really understand, you know, their desires and be able
0: to unpack those things.
1: And as a trans person, sometimes those things get unpacked on you. So I think those are some of the, the challenges that I've, I've had.
0: Thank you. And I think within that, weaved within your story are various aspects of identity that we often speak of really in silos, but there's an element of intersectionality there. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned the term organic masculinity, and I'd love for you to talk about mm-hmm. that, but also the intersection of masculinity, race, and gender, and how that has played out for you.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, for me, you know, organic masculinity is you know this this concept that I've I, I've coined. You know, because for me, it's it's really where I've started as a masculine person, right? You know, I came into this world as someone's daughter. I had a girlhood. You know, I was a feminine person for, for a, a part of my life. You know, so with that being said, a lot of these, like, rigid ideas around masculinity of what a man is supposed to be and how he's supposed to live in the world and how he's supposed to ex- express himself or this really, like you know, th- this idea of like competition, you know, is something that something I'd never internalized, you know what I'm saying? Or oh, this idea, you know, I always find that men, particularly like straight cisgender men who are always charged with being the pinnacle of masculinity are more concerned with being men for other men than being men for themselves and for the women and feminine folks in their lives. You know I didn't grow up with that you know for me organic masculinity is about creating a masculinity that just feels good to you feels good to your spirit right and it's not really influenced by or boxed in by patriarchy by any kind of systems or by any kind of messages that are telling us that we have to be masculine in this particular way that you know a masculine person is only allowed to feel like anger and lust those are the only two valuable you know emotions that we're allowed to have as men you know which makes us which takes us away from our humanity because to be a complex human being is to feel the complexity of emotions, right? To feel that whole gamut of emotions. So, you know, I'm in a place where I'm learning and constantly trying to cultivate a masculinity that is seeped in my emotional maturity, in, in my emotional dexterity, that is about allyship, you know, with women. And it's also about brotherhood without competition, you know? So that's what organic masculinity looks like to me. So so there's that. And then just thinking about... um race and gender and masculinity. Being a black man is, is a lot in this world, you know? And again, like I was saying before, people don't often recognize me as, as transgender, but they damn sure know that I'm black and they know that I'm a black man. And that can be scary, you know? I think there are places where I have privilege as a man. Like, you know, I always say, I can get on the train in New York City at 2 a.m. a little drunk, and be just okay and be fine. And don't worry about myself. Don't worry about being accosted or, or you know, somebody trying to hurt me or sexually assault me. There's something that I just don't have to think about anymore. But there was a time in my life when I did have to think about those things, right? So I don't think about that. But I do think about, I think about police. I think about if I'm ever in a place where I need where well, I need a cop, where I might be getting hurt or I might be in danger and I need the police, I can't call the police. I don't feel comfortable. You know, as a black man, I don't feel like relying on the system that, you know, at it, even at its core, at its at its basis was created to keep me in check. You, you know what I'm saying? That was never created to to protect me, you know, against against the bad people. You know, I am I'm, I am automatically, you know, a bad person or a criminal or whatever however you want to. I- Think about it. So, as a black man, I think a lot about not being able to rely on these systems, and thinking about a lot of pe- how people may perceive me out in the world. It doesn't stop me from moving in the world. It doesn't influence how I act. I'm not going to be different for anyone because you know people may be intimidated by or have you know negative perceptions of what black masculinity is. But I'm constantly aware of it. You know, it for and so what it does is takes a little bit. It takes away from my autonomy as a human being. But I think that that can be said for black people, you know? We are constantly aware of the fact that we're black, and we're constantly aware of how these systems interact with our blackness and what has been taken away from us, you know? This idea, I know many of us have been brought up with this idea, my mom used to tell me all the time, you gotta put 500% to there, 100% just to break even, you know? So this is something that we're constantly aware of, and I think as a a black
0: man, as a black masculine person, like, that awareness is heightened for me. Right, and you spoke of organic masculinity in terms of defining masculinity and living it in your own way yeah. and whatever you feel comfortable with yeah and I'm just wondering, so how do you challenge that mainstream view of masculinity, what that means and how people put that on you, especially as especially as a black man within the society? Mm-hmm. How do you, as an advocate, challenge that? Yeah. Well, I say, you know, it's important for us to start where we are
1: and do what we can with what
0: we have,
1: right? So I have a platform where I could be a model of possibility for organic masculinity and say, this is what it looks like, whether it be through my Instagram or through my Twitter or for the things that I write, you know, for me living, living my life really out Loud have a very public marriage. I have a very public personal and and professional life. You know, I am inundated with emails and 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 contacts from from you know young trans people all over the world who are looking at me to be a model of possibility to show that this that organic masculinity can exist. That you can be your own man. You could have a self determined life. You could be a man of your own design, which is the name of my book, by the way. Mm-hmm. So I challenge it. You know, by doing that, and also you know when I'm in spaces with men who may be engaging in things that I feel like are are sexist or wrong or need to be checked, I check them, you know? You know, you have to collect your folks, you know? When you know better, you do better, you know? So if I'm in a place... And if I feel safe enough to speak back to things that I, that I think like you know my folks, men folks are saying about women or feminine people or gay people or trans people, I feel obligated to step in and 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 say something, you know. And you know those little things, you know, is, and it's not a little thing. Everybody's not going to be out here and and change the world, you know, but we can we can change our surroundings, you know, and the people that we're around. So you know, I think it's important for me that I create teachable moments when 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 folks start to fall into this thinking and these concepts that that are produced from like toxic masculinity that we see in our in our culture
0: and you spoke about your book one i'd love to read it when it does come out yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but two can you talk a little bit more about the process of writing it and maybe some of the main themes that you're going to be hitting
1: okay so the process of writing a book is hard my god my <laughs> god you know, uh, you know, writing a book is like, you know, you have to really just put your all into it. It's something that you have to do every day. Like my mentor, Alexis Devo, who's an amazing author, she says, you know, to be a writer, you just have to write. And that's really just it. Just giving it up, giving everything into this book every single day and writing it. So my book is, is my memoir, it's my coming of age. It's about, it's, you know, me sharing stories of my life on different points on the spectrum of gender, you know, from being a tomboy as, as a little kid, you know, and then again, going to high school and going to an all-girls high school that was you know, like the whole thing of the high school was like building strong, feminine women. And I had to wear like a skirt and a dress every day, and I had to do this. I had to play the whole role and like what that looks like. And then from going there to being a masculine woman to you know living in in my in my world in my body, you know, as a man in the world, what that looks like. So my book is taking people on that journey, but the thread that runs through the book is this idea of being self-determined. You know. I'm really interested in taking the conversation around transgender people and the transgender experience to another level. Because I think, you know, As a trans person, what I've been able to do is say, this is the person that I want to be. This is the life I want to live. This is how I want to look. This is who I want to love. This is who I am in the world. Nobody can take it away from me. So I took, so I determined who I am in the world, you know, through my gendered experience in my body. But just because I'm trans, it doesn't mean that it's, it's mutually exclusive to trans people. We all have the space to determine exactly the type of person we want to be in the world, exactly how we want to look, how we want to love, the things we want to do. It's just about every day making the decisions to, you know, go towards being your greatest self and the universe will always open up to us being our greatest self because that's what it wants and my transition is about me coming into being my best self being the best man that I can be being the best human being that I can be so that's a part of the book as well so it's a storytelling and it's also kind of this thread of like purpose and determination and stuff like that
0: so given your personal experiences as well as the work that you're doing now, if you were to let folks know that are listening to this, what are the best ways that they can be allies as well as advocates for not only trans black men, but mm. trans folk of color in general, mm. what would you say?
1: Um, I think the best way that people can show their allyship, I think is number one by listening. You know, I think too often people only listen with the intent to speak back. I think people need to listen. I think you need to ask questions. And asking questions, not to invalidate other people's truths, but to complicate your own, right? We have to be open to our lives being complicated and our experiences as a human being being complicated by others. And knowing that that's a good thing you know, being inclusive and being diverse in our thinking and our understanding of the world is a good thing. It doesn't take away from us. I think another way for people to be allies is again to like get your people together. You know, if you are in a place where you are at home and your uncle starts talking all that stuff about, you know, gay people or trans people or whomever, you know, get them together, you know, take that space to honor your commitment to allyship to other people. You know. I think it's important to like you know, diversify our networks whether prefer, our, our professional and our personal networks. So many people live in these really homogenized spaces and we do it on purpose, you know. So many people I don't you know, I don't have any white friends, I don't have any black friends, I don't have any gay friends, I don't have any trans friends, get some. Okay? Meet some different people. Start to understand people's different lives. Get into other people's stories. You know, I think that those, those are the initial steps for allyship. And then I think, you know, once we can do those things, then it's about people really just taking the initiative and learning on their own and starting, like, to question their own prejudices and starting to honor their mistakes, you know, and, you know, pushing through that, you know, and thinking about the places of privileges that we all occupy and how we can use those privileges in solidarity with other people to help other people. So...
0: And I'd also love to ask, what are some success stories that you've seen within your work, Mm -hmm. Uh, whether it's in the terms of advocating for various rights or campaigns that you've been a part of?
1: Oh, wow. I've been, a, I've been a part of quite a few uh, successful campaigns. What sticks out in mind? Well, I guess on a campaign level, one, the one campaign that I was a part of that really sticks out is when I was um, at GLAAD, which is a media advocacy organization. They do really exceptional work. I used to be a senior media strategist there of national news, and we'd put together a, a campaign with various medical professionals in New York City, uh, a video campaign to talk about, to urge you know our state representatives to pass a law that allowed trans-related health care to be a part of Medicaid. You know, understanding that, like, you know, 34% of trans people live under the poverty line. And if you are black and trans, you are eight times more likely to live in poverty than than the rest of the population. You know, and understanding that the the life, the average life expectancy for black trans women is 35 years old. 35 years old. You know, understanding that 49% of black transgender people have tried to commit suicide, have attempted suicide, one out of two. Right? So that tells us that if you have all these poor black trans people who are living on the poverty line and we all know that systems definitely affects our health care and how we how we interact with healthcare, then it will behoove our state government to say we are going to make this trans-related, like, mental and physical health care a part of our Medicaid plan that goes out to the most vulnerable of us. So we put together this 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 plan, which is great. And, you know, we worked, you know, in partnership with other organizations who were sending busloads of people, you know, to Albany, you know, every week to talk to folks. And, you know, New York State has changed it so that trans-related healthcare is now covered by Medicaid, which is really awesome. And just on another level, like, you know, I worked a lot with uh, LGBT youth you know, did a lot of mentorship and taught creative writing classes and, you know, I just saw like the mentorship that I gave these young people along with the other uh, team of beautiful black and brown queer folks that I work with at the Hedrick Martin Institute and at the Harvey Milk High School. Shout out to them. Us being there for them every day, how that inspired them to be better, how I let them know that they could be possible. You know, I'm talking about young people who have been kicked out of the houses because they're gay. Talk about, you know, young kids who have migrated from the Caribbean, you know, from Jamaica and Barbados and from Trinidad and from the South. From Alabama and South Carolina who come to New York City just for for them to be themselves and for them to have an everyday interaction with like real life queer black and brown adults really let them know that 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 they could be who they want to be and some of these kids you know some of the kids are still struggling in life but a lot of them are really doing their thing and are and are just looking good and feeling good so you know that's been some of the most rewarding work that I've been a part of.
0: That's incredible. Anything that you want to leave us with in terms of your experience, your work, and how we can continue this work?
1: Again, I mean, to continue this work is, I think, really just to be committed to the change that you want to see and understanding that we all have the tools in front of us to be the change we want to see in the world, even as daunting as it may feel, as frustrating and as painful as it can be, to constantly do the work around advocacy work, particularly for the most vulnerable of us. And particularly when we are the most vulnerable of us who are constantly doing the work. You stay the course and, you know, have faith. And also I think self-care is something that's really important that we don't talk about enough when we're talking to people who do advocacy work, who are constantly charged with doing the hard work of having the difficult conversations and pushing people towards a place where they understand you as a complex human being. Like it always just, it, you know, blows my mind that, you know, As a trans person, I have to work so hard to try to make other people understand that I am as valuable in my humanity as they are, you know, and that work is is exhausting, you know. So I think folks should always remember that, you know, self-care is a revolutionary act. And sometimes that self-care just looks like saying no. You know, sometimes, you know, uh, a no to me is a yes to you. So don't, you know, don't be afraid to say yes to yourself. You know, take care of, take care of yourself and just lead with love and let love kind of be your guiding principle. Let that be what, what fuels you every day. Not, you know, not competition, not jealousy, not revenge, not the sense of anger, but getting to a place where it's just out of love for other human beings and out of love for believing in that this world can be a better place. You know, when we do
0: that, I think nothing is impossible. Teek, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for not only educating us, but also sharing so much of your story. Yeah. And inspiring us to continue this work. Awesome. Thank you. Was, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for joining us. I'd like to thank our sponsors, our presenter, Mr. Teek Milan, and our producer, Brianna Gonzalez. To learn more about our work and to check out some of our resources, visit mixsilver.nyu.edu and ctacny.org. Until next time, this is Jason Jones, and we are changing the narrative together.